Welcome to this week's episode of Being Human. I'm delighted to say I'm here with Russ Kane. He's a, a veteran broadcaster uh, and the founder of the men's radio station, as well as a director of the women's radio station. Uh, I'm taking a particular interest today, the men's radio station, which uh, is a place to discuss serious matters. It, it explores the question, what is it to be a man in today's society? Uh, it provides knowledge, ideas, and solutions across a range of physical and emotional well-being areas. So, Russ, it is with great pleasure that I welcome you today. You're very kind. Thank you very much for asking me. Much appreciated. Oh, and I forgot to say, you are also recently qualified celebrant, uh, which, I as am. I understand it, is somebody who can officiate on weddings. Is that right? Uh, weddings, funerals. Uh, memorial services, baby naming, any of them. Yeah. Wow. So, okay. yeah, fully accredited, fully qualified. You are definitely the first celebrant on being. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I think it's part of okay. being human, though, isn't it? Part of it. It is. Yeah. And what, a, what an honor to be present for all of those uh, yeah, it is. ceremonies. It is for me. Mm. Okay. Um, so fill people in uh, with a little bit of your background, Russ, for people who aren't familiar with your, your history. I'd love for people to get to, to know you a bit oh, before we dive gosh. into your work on. How far, uh, how far do you want to go back? <laughs> as far as you want to go. I, I, love, uh, going, I love going as far oh, back. Do you like going back? Okay. Well, I was only, only ever wanted to be a writer. That's the only thing I ever wanted to be since I was seven. Uh, and uh, lo and behold, I became a writer, a uh, copywriter. I started as a speechwriter and then uh, became a copywriter. Uh, both here and then I went over to New York, lived in New York on Madison Avenue, which was very exciting for me. Uh, lived there for three years as an advertising copywriter, came back, went freelance and, and never stopped. Really, mostly in the corporate field for all blue chip companies, uh, whether it be speeches, instructional videos, all that sort of thing. Wrote hundreds and hundreds of those and then moved into light entertainment, writing uh, comedy, uh, which was far more miserable than being in the corporate sector. So I went back to the corporate sector. I couldn't deal, <laughs> I couldn't deal with all the, 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 oh, the moodiness and the depression and the angst and all of these comedians. It was like, no, no I'm not going to do that. I went back to corporate. And then um, in 1984, I was hired on a two-week con. I agreed to only sign a two-week contract at Capital Radio because I didn't think I'd like it. And the two weeks lasted 20 years. And for those who are not familiar, Capital Radio is like the biggest radio yeah. show in London. Yeah, we had, well, we had the biggest commercial breakfast show in the world. We had 4 million wow. listeners every day in the world. Uh, even wow. though people say, well, America's much bigger. Yeah, but the demographics are smaller at individual stations. So um, I formed an on-air partnership with Chris Tarrant on the breakfast show. I was in the thing called The Flying Eye, which I'm not going to bother to bore you with. Um, it was 20 fantastic years. I left in 2004 after 20 years, 1.2 million miles in the air, and went on to uh, continue with all my writing, uh, stand-up comedy, uh, but mostly serious, uh, serious writing. And then in 2018, I became a director of a women's radio station, which was a startup. And then a year later, January 2019, uh, with my business partners, we formed men's radio station uh, through something that happened at the BBC, oddly enough. And um, the rest, as they say, is history. So we've formed that now into the Sound Mind Radio Group. And we have women's radio and men's radio sitting under that umbrella. 
That's Fantastic. in a nutshell. <clears throat> wow! Wow! What, what a what an awesome pro, uh, you know project to have, have created, and and and, and never more. I mean, I know before we we chatted, you you were very familiar mm. with some of the stats around like the current crisis in men's mental health. Yeah. I wonder if it's worth painting a bit of a picture into what you're playing. It, well, it is. Bless you for that. The reason it started, and most things in my life really uh, are a complete accident. I happened to be doing the paper review in BBC Radio London, two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, and the paper, the, the main story could have been absolutely anything. Could have been anything. Happened to be the suicide statistics of the United Kingdom by pure chance, a subject I knew nothing about, and I was shocked, really shocked that it was 80% men, 20% women. And the biggest cause of death in men, 18 to 45 in the UK. Now, I would have thought it was like cancer or car crashes or... No, suicide. The biggest cause of death for men, 18 to 45. The next day, I got hold of my business partner, Howard, and I said, we should do something about this. And we had a women's radio station up and running. I said, we need a men's radio station because... All the papers said the same thing. Men won't talk. Men bottle it up inside. Women are much, much better. Whether you like it, whether you don't, it's just the fact. They're just generally much, much better at talking. They go out and say, oh, let's, you know, how are you? And over a coffee or a glass of wine or whatever it might be, they really talk. The blokes say, yeah, fuck. And talk about nonsense. Um, and they bottle it up. That can lead to depression. And ultimately, because men are complex creatures, it could lead to uh, ending their own lives. And I wanted to try and do something to offer a, I don't like the term safe space, always makes me think of California, you know, when the wind changes direction, you have a nervous breakdown. I wanted a non-judgmental space where you could really be open. And uh, yeah, it took off. 50, what is interesting for me is 50% of the audience of men's radio are women. Wow. 50%. Whereas on women's radio station, 100% of the audience are women. There's no men. They don't listen. But the w women uh, are hugely influential on MRS, as we call it. Where somebody's pointed out, well, that's Mrs. And I thought, well, yeah, that's kind of one of the gags um, by pure chance. Um, so that's where we are. I, I'm, I'm very passionate about it. Mm. I'm very passionate about it because, um, especially when you've spoken to people who've attempted, to end their own lives, or they're the relatives of people left behind, certain things come out. And if you've been in the studio, it's very powerful. Very powerful. Mm. It's overwhelming. First thing that I have found, without fail, without fail, without any exception, is that everyone who has, every man who has tried to end their own life, the moment they start whatever process they're using, they regret it. The instant, the instant, they regret it. There's a club in uh, San Francisco of people who uh, jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge and survived. Survived. Mm. And every single one of them, uh, there aren't that many that survived, quite frankly, the hell of a drop. Uh, the moment their fingers let go, they realize they've made a terrible move. Without yeah. fail. And it was the same talking to all the guests that I've had, the hundreds and hundreds of guests that we've had, thousands now on the shows. Um, yeah, because they think, uh, and one of the most important points, I guess, to get across is they, the, the common theme is we're a burden. 
my family would be better off without me. Mm. And it's not true because every family member says, why the hell didn't you talk to me? You can solve right. this out. Okay. You've run the business into the ground. We'll solve it. We'll sort it out. doesn't mean I don't love you. And they were stunned. And of course, if they, I use the word succeed. It sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? In their attempt to end their, end their own lives. For them, their suffering is over. And for the family left behind, they have an eternity of suffering, a lifetime of suffering. It's horrible, absolutely horrible. And so you're not alone. And that's the main thing, to, to understand there is a commonality. But when you're in that dark place, you can't see any light. You can't mm. see a way. And that's what we try to do on, on Men's Radio is, is signpost. I never give advice. Not, I'm not qualified. I think there's nothing worse than people coming on the telly who've got their qualification on the back of a cornflakes packet and, you know, sit there on some stupid daytime show pontificating. What the hell they're talking about? Well, you're not doctors. If you're a doctor, that's a different matter. So you've also got to sort out, you know, the quacks from the, the, the real people. And I do yeah. give people with quackery very short shrift because it's a waste of time. And I think it's disingenuous. I think it's dangerous as well. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, I feel passionate about that, you know? Mm. Mm. And that's interesting. So my first thought would have been when you said that the number one reason was that it was a, it was a burden. I mean, I've never, well, I have had, I, there was one moment in life I had a period of about a week of suicidal ideation, but I've never come anywhere close really to that realm. Um, but, but you, I would have thought it would be loneliness somehow. But you're you're saying something different here. It's it's a burden. No. I'm not just no. I'm lonely. I'm, I'm a negative impact on my social yeah. sort of realm. Yeah, that's that, that's interesting. Yeah, and so they feel that they, the, the the words that I keep hearing, the word, the words I keep hearing is they would be better off without me. And it's never true, right? The, the, the family is shocked when they hear this, absolutely shocked and so upset, as you can imagine. And that's why you hear the phrase, well, we never saw this coming, or he seemed fine to me, mm. or, well, I, gosh, this came out the blue. No, it didn't, really. It's because if I say, you know, how are you doing? And you go, yeah, fine, and you leave it at that. And, but if your little voice is saying, there's something wrong here, there's something hinky going on, it costs nothing and takes no time to say, no, seriously, just pause. Let's have another coffee. How, what's going on? What's going on? And mm. people often un start to unload and unburden. And once you start to share it, the, the load gets a little lighter and you realize there right. is hope and that's it. But it's because men, you know, I mean, look, we've grown up with, and I'm obviously a lot older than you, but. You grow up with man up, big boys don't yep. cry, grow up hair, um, all of these things that it's unmanly. Now, that doesn't have to mean you have to be a crying, shivering wreck of a human being. We're not talking about that. But there are certain phrases that really don't stand up to any inspection whatsoever. You won't say to a woman, man, you know, woman up, nonsense. You, you just wouldn't do it. 
And also, the other thing is, uh, you know, if somebody's depressed, I don't mean a bit blue or a bit upset or a bit cheesed off or a bit fed up. I'm talking about proper depression. It's no good going, hey, cheer up. Because if somebody came to you with a broken leg, you wouldn't say, I tell you what, run around the garden, you'll feel better. No, yeah. you're not, you can't do it. So it's the same thing. It's no good going, yeah, cheer up, be all right. It's useless. Got to be practical. Got to be practical. Yeah. And, and why do you think it is that the tendency then will be when you ask a man how you're doing, and he says fine, is, is not to go the second round and say, come on, really open up. But why do you think people, even if they've got a little bit of an instinct, there might be something mm. there, don't go in for that second bite and, and follow up? Good question. I think because uh, we're British and we think it's intrusive. And we think, well, mm. you know, my conscience is clear. I asked him how he asked Fred how he was. He said he was fine. Who saw that coming? So you, because there is still a sort of subtextual notion that it's weak to show that you're not okay. And there's, uh, there's a meme that goes around and, you know, it's okay not to be okay. That doesn't mean you're, you're just a non-functioning person. But it is okay to say, you know what, I, I don't feel great about everything, or this is really worrying me, et cetera, et cetera. And to try and nip it in the bud before it just festers. The more you don't talk about it, it just starts to fester. You know, a friend of mine years and years and years ago gave me a wonderful uh, allegory, not an allegory, metaphor. That's the word I was looking for. Well done, me. Um, <laughs> If you get a fresh chicken, you get a little Tesco's or whatever, you buy a fresh chicken, you haven't got room in the fridge, you think, oh, no, I'll put it in my drawer in my, uh, in my bedroom. Fine. And initially, it's fine. Fresh chicken, it's in your drawer with your handkerchiefs or whatever. Over time, that starts to rot, and eventually that smell will permeate right through your house. Right through your house, because you haven't dealt with it. And that's much like depression or any other issue, is that you keep, you know, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. You put it in the drawer. It isn't. Bit by bit by bit, it's working its way through. That's mm. why you need to deal with it as early as, as you can. And it's not intrusive. You know, if the person doesn't want to talk to you, they're, they're not going to talk to you. Because they also feel they might be criticized. Or they might go, God, I spoke to Fred in the pub. God, what a wuss. You know, they might think of the back. Rather than a true friend, a true friend would say, spoke to Fred. I think we need to, you know, need to help him out in whatever way that yeah. might be. And that's, that's yeah. the difference. Mm. Most people would be enormously grateful. I'm not talking about a huge intervention. I'm not talking about some big family intervention, but just asking and being and getting a genuine response back so it's the best yeah. you can do yeah yeah and, and my assumption is that this trend is something that's got worse over time is, mm -hmm. is that correct right it correct, was always yes. the case no 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 the figures are going and, and so what i find intriguing here is like to ask the question well what has shifted in our society that meant 50 years 100 years ago Arguably, when men were more manly, right? If you look at the sort of yeah, testosterone yeah, levels that. and so on. No, I get that. Yeah, yeah. Why, why, were they, why were they less prone to 
to depression and suicide then? What was different about our they, social They weren't. I, I, I think there's a flaw in the question. I don't mean you. I think this is something yeah. that is often discussed. You know, what's going on? We're just a generation of idiots now. You know, you couldn't. They were depressed. Right. They were bottling it up, but they never spoke about it because it wasn't the society to do so. I think that's what it was. I don't think that's changed that much. People just, oh, you know, is is a bit moody. No, probably deeply depressed. But they didn't have the terminology, they didn't have the vocabulary, and they didn't have the 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 medical education and awareness and i think that's one of the main the main reasons i i get that it's a it's a very interesting point isn't it you know well you know 50 years ago or world war ii we just we just got on with it yeah we do most people do get on with it but they're now asking the question oh there's something wrong here you know i'm not i'm not feeling i'm not feeling right that's okay as i said that doesn't turn you into a gibbering wreck or an entire generation of wusses it's, it's totally different Okay. Uh, Bob, and maybe get... we have more time. Maybe you, I mean, you know, one of the great things they always say to help is do some exercise. It sounds so old-fashioned, but it does. It releases endorphins and all sorts of other things. Makes you feel a bit better, right? Releases some serotonin. Um, a few years back, things were much more manual. They were yeah. more manual. Things were more physical. What what happens now? Most people sit on their backsides and look at a screen. Hello. You know, this is what, this is what most people do. You go any public space, no one's talking to each other. And they stare at a screen. Very toxic, very worrying. Created yeah. by brilliant people. Why do you, I mean, here's a for instance. Why do people addicted to social media? Because the technicians that create this stuff give you uh, a dopamine hit. So every time you get a like, if you're susceptible to that, you can go through life and say, I can give a flying monkeys if I get a like or not. Irrelevant. But a lot of people, oh, I've got a like. Boom, you get a little, little dopamine hit. Then you need another dopamine. That is part of all the algorithms that, you know, this isn't fantasy. This is. This is why it's so addictive. It's deliberately addictive. Why is it deliberately addictive? To keep you on the screen. Why? Because there's more clickbait, because of the advertising revenue, all those sort of, all yeah. those algorithm stuff. It, it's not by chance we find ourselves where we are at this point in our development as people. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we maybe two things have shifted then. It's, it's, we're not getting so much exercise as men, and that can help, yeah. right? Yeah, just yeah. just yeah. naturally, right? It's it's now really only people who are super you know, proactively seeking their own health and fitness are going out yeah. there to the gym and so on. Yeah. But you know, fifty, hundred years ago, you couldn't help but be active every day. Yeah, you'd be in a field or you'd be in a fact, but everything was manual. You weren't <clears throat> just because of technology. You weren't just pressing a button and stuff magically happened. I assume everything is just magic. But don't understand technology, is it? Microwave, yeah. Um, but you had to do stuff, you know, and you'd be physically tired. We're, we're not mm. physically tired. We're mentally exhausted, but I don't think we're physically tired. Not really. Yeah. What do you do? Especially people yeah. working from home. You know, you're traveling from your bedroom to your kitchen. I mean, you sit there all day, and then you go back to bed. Yeah. 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 <laughs> not exactly exhausting, is it? 
and we're not i mean i don't know i, I my assumption as well is that men have to make an an extra effort to go out and be social. It seems to me that women find it easier to organize yeah. and convene to meet and, and spend social time together, even with the lure of social technology. Whereas yeah, I think I with think men, so. uh, we don't have that same impetus, right? And I think That's perhaps true. our society, this is a, just a hypothesis I'm creating on the fly, mm. would have pushed men into social security situations work gangs and so on mm. well there's, no, there's nothing else to do but yeah. go to the pub in the evening right yeah. so that, that meant that they 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 were yeah they were uh, socially um pushed into uh, having you know person-to-person interactions with each other in yeah. a way that they're not yeah yeah which is why what's interesting is a lot of uh, sort of talking groups have sprung up all over the yeah. country it's very successful because if you go to the pub, let's just see, right? What are you going to talk about? Well, you're not going to stand stand there pouring out your heart, are you? You're going to talk about the usual nonsense, you know, what's on the telly, or we've been away, and you, the usual chit chat. With talking groups, you're there to discuss whatever you want to discuss. And it's usually at a pretty deep level. Um, it's a bit like, I, I would imagine it's a little bit like group therapy, but you know, it requires a lot of trust because you can't say, yep. God, guess, guess who I met last week? Boy, oh boy. You know, it has to be uh, in a uh, non judgmental space where tittle tattle won't be repeated, et cetera, because otherwise people won't talk. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good thing. Or even people who do, you know, get together and do, I don't know, gardening. Gardening, or it, or it really doesn't matter. Fishing. Why do you? Why do you think something like uh, the, the the Bob Mortimer show? I don't know what it's about. Where they go fishing and they're just chatting. That's the basis. Yeah. It's, it's no more difficult than that. You're just talking, and that's okay. Getting your getting your it's not your views out. Getting your feelings out and getting some sort of feedback on it. And somebody might say, oh, don't be silly because, you know, this is, this is solvable by doing X, Y, and Z. Or just hearing it, maybe just hearing the words, you know, just hearing the words is a relief. Oh. Yeah. And the, right. the most important piece, you know, because you're sitting there thinking, it's just me. I'm a complete idiot. It's just me. And then when somebody comes back and says, no, I, I feel the same way, as a matter of fact, about whatever it might be. Then you got a situation. Then you got a situation yeah. going on. Yeah. And I can imagine going back to what you said earlier and people and, and, and suicide attemptees, if that's a word. Mm. Yeah, would, well, yeah. Would um, feel like they're a burden. It, yeah. It, having other people to socially correct them and say, hang on, no, you're providing value in this area or in this area to yeah. provide perspective. Mm. May, may help. I think that. a lot of that goes back to the old paradigm. I, I, I hate myself even for saying it because it just sounds so hokey, but it, it is a thought process that, you know, the man was the provider. Man would leave the cave armed with a club and fight off the saber toothed tiger or whatever it might be uh, and bring back the food and, you know, sit around the campfire and all that sort of stuff, right? And that it still pervades that man is the provider. It's a nonsense. 
I don't agree with it because I totally agree in, in, in equality, which I do. I'm passionate about that too. But in some men, you know, my job isn't going well or I'm out of work and I'm now, a you know, all of these things. What, what use am I? It depends how you define yourself, doesn't it? If you just define yourself as I'm the provider of the family, well, no, maybe you just because they love you. You know, the fact you're not going to the office every day, you don't have a job at the moment, or you're having to take a cut in salary at the moment, or whatever it might be, doesn't mean they love you any less. I mean, if that's mm. the basis of your relationship, I kind of look at the relationship and go, oh, don't think they're quite seeing me as a person here. I think they're seeing me as a, something else, you know what I mean? Uh, but th but that philosophy, even as we head in, you know, to the to a new year, it, it, it's still there in some people. Yeah, yeah. I feel inadequate because X Y Z. Therefore, I'm just being a burden, and because I'm miserable, it doesn't mean that you're a nasty person. They just feel they're emanating, you know, dark. Yeah. How many would be better off without me? Well, they won't. They really won't. Yeah. And for those, for those people to hear, you know, somebody said, "I love you. I appreciate you." Mm, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's what you know. Every time, every interview that I've ever done about people who have, I'm going to say, survived their attempt. Yes, that way, the kind of neutral term, whatever words you use, someone's going to take offense. But let's just try and walk through it delicately. Um, they've been astounded by the outpouring of love from their family. Astounded, mm. they just didn't see it because they were in such a dark place. They just didn't see it, and the family weren't picking up on it. And I don't blame. You know, there's no blame here. It's like, oh, you should have winked, you know, finger wagging. There's none of that. There's none of that. What it is is that people just didn't see it. And yep. once they recover and get themselves together, they, they, their lives are infinitely better. Infinitely better, because it's on a new shift. It's on a new, uh, whole new way of thinking. You know? Yeah. My yeah. favorite, yeah. I think my favorite was a guy sneaked out, the, like he lived in the country, and he, this was the guy who was in, in my studio, and he, uh, and had in, everything was terrible, his business hanking and somewhere. And he went out armed with a load of pills and he went into the woods and took the pills. And the moment he felt the pills taking the effect, he thought, oh, crap, I've made a terrible mistake. And then he had a religious experience, a blinding white light. And he realized he'd been saved. Turns out the blinding white light was the police helicopter looking for him because the family couldn't find him and were like freaking out. And the police helicopter came on with a searchlight and found him and, and, and saved him. But, um, which, which is good, thank heavens. But, it, you know, it was, it was kind of like a sort of strange, very dark comedy moment. Yes, I've seen the light. Religion is true. No, it's a police helicopter. Um, but nonetheless, they, they, they <laughs> They saved him and saved the day. And, you know, his, and his, the first thing the wife said was like, you know, I love you. I don't care about the stupid business. We'll, we'll sort it out. Yes. And it was like, oh, thank you. I thought, you know. So 
I guess that's the message, isn't it? You know, that's, that's yeah. it. That, that, uh, a little bit of expression of appreciation and yeah. can go a, a long way. It says like, you know, two things, right? There's, there's two things, which is going past that I'm fine and going mm. for the second question. Really? Yeah. Is there something yeah, going on? Really? And also really just sure. offering that, I love you, I appreciate you. But if you're you just are. a mate, I mean, even if you're just a mate, you can just say, look, they want to talk about it now. Fine. You know where I am. Either pick up the phone or I'm going to phone you tomorrow. All right? I'm going to phone you tomorrow. We all have busy lives. Whether they're productive or not, I have no idea. But everyone's busy, 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 busy. People don't phone each other just for a chat. Those days are gone. Women are much better. I'm sorry it sounds so stereotypical, but women are. They would phone up for a chat. Guys don't really tend to phone up for a chat. There has to be a reason. Yeah. And just to phone, if you're worried about somebody, phone them up. Because that phone call will make, you won't think, to you it's just a phone call. What the hell? Don't send a text. Phone. You know, don't be 14 yeah. years old. We don't have to text each other. We can actually speak. <laughs> I get this all the time with like meetings. My friend, I go, why can't you just phone me like a normal person? <laughs> you know, I don't need to WhatsApp everything and text message everything. Just pick up the bloody phone like a normal person. <laughs> we are just part of the matrix now. It's horrible. 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 We're just plugged in at the neck. But yeah, that's. <laughs> But yeah, the, the the phone. Well, I mean, with the phone, you can pick up on tone and nuance. Yes, yeah. that's so it. much connected. You can't. You how many times? Look, how many times have you misinterpreted a text? Thought, oh, someone mm. pissed off. Ooh, and they don't mean it at all. They, it's just, it's just a message. They weren't thinking. They're busy. They could be on a train or you know whatever they're doing. And you know, with, you're so right. You hear the tone. You hear the intonation. You can hear a pause. Then you can take the conversation further. You know, no one's yeah. suggesting you're a doctor. No one's suggesting you're, a, you know, an acclaimed psychiatrist in Harley Street in London. What they're saying is you're someone who cares. And that's all it needs to start, to start yeah. the process, whatever that process might be. Just, yeah. to, just yeah. to show someone's out there who cares. That's it. Yeah. No more, yeah. There's no more complicated than that. Yeah. Okay. So... Go in for the second question. Ask them, are you really okay? Show love hmm. and appreciation. Phone them. Hmm. What else have you discovered in your, yeah, in your journey with all these? Do uh, you know what? It, I, I hate that because it always reminds me of sort of Simon Cowell, some complete non-talented twerp, you know, warbling some, hey, your journey. You know, it's not a journey. For God's sake, you're on a non-talent show. Shut up. Um, but the, this has been, for me, an absolute journey of discovery because I did yeah. it, created it with Howard, the great Howard Jameson. Um, and we just did it on the handshake. I mean, that's telling on itself. You know, I always believe everyone can wiggle out of a contract. We sat in a greasy spoon in Covent Garden, literally on the Formica table, shook hands. And that's our paperwork. You know, my dad taught, brought me up to that my word is my bond, same as Howard. Oop, we shook in it, end up. That's how we formed the, formed the company and everything else. Um, it's also a of fortune because the only people who get rich are the lawyers. We know that. So it has been a journey because I didn't know where it was going to go. I didn't know if people would ever want to talk. 
I didn't know if experts and therapists and counselors and doctors would want to come on the show. Who the heck knew? But they have. But they have, which has been uh, emotionally very rewarding. Emotionally very, it's been very, and that's interesting. And, and the subject matters are, are what we did a whole load of shows, um, for example, on the menopause. Now, you might immediately go, hang on, what, it's called Men's Radio Station. You're doing shows about the menopause. You're mad. No, it's because, and we do a load of them on uh, constant shows on, on Women's Radio Station. about Why did we do the menopause on Men's Radio? Because I wouldn't have thought of I wouldn't have thought of it initially. Because the menopause causes huge changes, often, not always, but often huge changes, uh, biological and, and uh, in, in your mind. And men often go, what the, what the hell's happening to my I don't understand what's going on. What's happened to my wife or my partner? Or my, what, I, I, I seem like a different person. So we got on all the experts, women, obviously, uh, to discuss it, to make men more aware and um, more understanding of what's going on. And it, no, it's not you. It isn't you. You haven't, they haven't suddenly don't like you anymore or something. They're going through the, these enormous, uh, big life-changing changes. And so that's something I wouldn't have thought about doing on men's radio station. Obviously, it's a natural for women's radio, but not for men. But it turned out it was very popular because people go, oh, thank God. Thank you. Now I understand. Now I've got a better notion of what the hell's <laughs> hit by a truck. I don't understand what's going on. Now I do. Now I get it. You know? Stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. And yeah. also the, uh, the other thing that I didn't understand, because my kids, kids are grown up, as you might be surprised, uh, and oddly enough, they don't touch social media. Uh, apart oh. from my daughter, apart from my daughter, who's huge on a huge on Instagram and podcast, huge, massive. Uh, I'm not going to say who it is, but nothing to do with me. I had no hand in it. What's I wish I could say yes, and it was my, nothing. No, I'm not even involved at all. And it's been a runaway success. What she's doing um, is that my kids uh, don't touch social media. Don't touch it. We go near it. Uh, and they're very switched on, and they just think it's a load of rubbish. And uh, that's great. Uh, but younger kids, I'm talking like 10 onwards, it's huge. And we've had so many experts on. Um, and one girl we had on, <sighs> see these things, when you're face to face with it, become very real. They're not theoretical. Charming, articulate, delightful guest. Uh, they found her hanging in the girls' toilet at school, hanging. Mm. And if a dinner lady hadn't wanted a wee, seriously, and come in and took her down, she'd have been dead. Why bullying? And bullying on social media, it is horrendously prevalent. Now, uh, please, I don't want this to be sounding sexist, but you know, if you say to a bloke, well, you got a big nose and dot off. And that's, that's kind of the end of the conversation. You know, yeah. Mainly. But when you're a very young, impressionable schoolgirl, these things really hurt. They hurt terribly. When I was growing up, obviously bullying would stop at the school gates. You'd go home and have 
have your tea and watch a bit of telly and get a bullying now is 24 7 it never stops relevant where you are and uh, on the number of people we've had on trying to counteract this it's shocking shocking but particularly for girls guys as well i mean school boys as well but much more prevalent in girls and the effect it has is devastating absolutely mm. devastating um and it's no good saying oh the internet has to be you know rural it's the wild west always was the genie was out of the bottle the moment the genie was out of the bottle and ain't going to go back in so that's another that i hadn't i wasn't aware of and we talk about that a lot the pernicious nature in the wrong hands of social media very important and what have you discovered in terms of solutions there (sighs) well that's the big question isn't it you can't turn it off you can't ban your young child from they're going to get out of it one way or another it's very difficult to be supportive which sounds so bland and weak but that's all you can do and just make them realize that it's coming from a bad place of, of jealousy or hatred or whatever and it's not you you're not a loser you're not ugly you're not this that and the other um girls especially for all the guests that i've had it's this body image you know we don't like you and 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 then it's brutal you know you'd be better off dead you'd be why are you still alive you'd be better off it's horrible 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 stuff and uh, affects far more than than we see in the media it really does yeah it really does so just again uh it's really not too intellectual just keeping a, a watchful eye is there is there a big mood change do you think something is wrong you know if you're a parent or you're an elder sibling and you think there's something wrong start the conversation it won't be easy because they'll be very very defensive they'll be yeah. very defensive but again they need to know someone's out there loves them someone cares and it's not true it's just poisonous garbage it's not true this is the problem you know when i was at capital radio for 20 years right there were a lot of people who uh not too well i'll be polite not too well okay you knew they weren't too well when and i could talk about it for hours but i'm not going to uh because you get the envelope and it would be usually in green ink or red ink and you'd open the envelope and it would be away with the fairies right but think about that. That person has got to find the notepaper, take the time to write the letter, put it in an envelope, buy a stamp, take themselves down to the post box. It's a process. It takes some thought, takes time, and takes some money. Now, you don't get off your backside. Boom, a few clicks, and you, you can ruin someone's life. And yep. because it all appears in, you know, Helvetica 12 point or whatever it is, Times New Roman 8 point, you think, well, it must be true because it's in print. No, it's not. It's just garbage. But it looks, you know, because of the format. You get a letter with mad writing spouting nonsense, and you go, well, this is just garbage, and you throw it away. That's why social media is, needs careful monitoring. I don't mean yeah. censoring, I mean careful monitoring. And, and, and the users of it even more so, right? 
is oh well is, yeah, yeah. what we're talking about it seems to me like it's this tuning in and checking in and having it that is. being more of a norm in our lives given being the, aware just trying to be a little bit more don't live in your own silo the whole it's so easy i i am so guilty of it you know i've got to deliver my second novel by christmas i'm sitting at my desk hours and hours and hours i'm in my own little world right and trying to deal with the other stuff and, and the settlement business and all the rest of it um but you 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 get detuned from from everything else you don't know what's going on it's so easy you know the the, the hours turn into days the days turn into months yeah yeah because we're not yeah. having social interaction that's why yeah not really not really yeah yeah and it's the notion of someone's my friend <laughs> talk about this you know someone's my friend you know them no but why are they your friend oh we're facebook friends that's not a friend that's somebody on facebook you've never met them you don't know them <laughs> not your friend they were your friend you'd know them you'd have a cup of tea with them and you'd be talking to them you know whatever it might be You're not a friend it's this whole dilution of what what relationships i mean and what friendship is so i mean all of this can be boiled down to just being a little bit more aware not living in your own silo and just checking in on other people by talking to it's not too tricky is it? i mean if i can do it <laughs> anyone can do it <laughs> you know, it's not, not tech and technological marvel pick up the phone you're right that's it <laughs> That's what, that's, what, that's what it's about. It, it, I think the thing that really threw me and is all pervading about the work on men's radio and the work we do and on women's radio is how open people are willing to be. Right. Now, I'm not talking. Uh, I know this sounds very pejorative, but hear me out. I'm not talking about somebody going boo-hoo-hoo, my life is terrible because the wind changed direction. and. Somebody stole my bike when I was seven and it's ruined my life. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that. There are a lot of people who just want the center of attention. That's, you know, daytime chat shows and all that nonsense. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about how open people have been with real struggles and real problems and real illnesses and disabilities and fighting back from cancer. They're, they're, they're talking about it. And when you see and hear, like we are today, somebody there, discussing it there's often a scintilla of truth that you say that applies to me yeah i get mm. that oh it's not just or if they've achieved it maybe i can maybe i can you know pull myself up from the, the where i perceive as the wreckage may not be or that's going to improve my life yes i get that you know i find every show you know every day's a school day i find every i learn something every day yeah because it's the art and, of listening, and you know, I just find it fascinating. People's lives, and and so for you, Russ. Then, what have been the biggest changes that have occurred in you as a result of doing the shame, uh, to the show? show? <sighs> I'll be very honest. It's the sense of purpose. Yesterday, now the show goes out around the world. I'm sure yours does. And yesterday, a guy came on, because I can see all the, com the, the comments, I put them up on the screen. And he said, 
I've never discussed this with anyone before that he's been having suicidal thoughts. And we talked about it. And the fact that even one person from America was saying that and suddenly was opening up and was listening to the conversation, I thought, you know what, this is, this is justified. It, it, it has a purpose. It has an effect on people. And it was a wonderful feeling. I hadn't done it. Be clear. I'm not going, yay for me, pat myself on the back. I'm not talking about that at all. What I'm talking about is the process. The fact that he felt open enough to say, I've never talked about this. I've been suffering this for nearly 30 years. This is the first time I've ever admitted it. And also my best friend uh, took a shotgun and killed himself. Well, it's America, obviously. Things by halves over there. So, yeah, I mean, I had, I thought, I came off it. I got, I got really emotional because I thought, it is a purpose. There is a purpose. If we've helped one person, we've helped one person, then it's worthwhile. I don't mean one person ever, because I wouldn't. <laughs> Lisa Gray. But if you can help people, you're not going to ch- you're not going to change people's thoughts like that. This isn't this is nonsense. That's propaganda. But bit by bit by bit, just show people options. Give people options. But that meant so much to me yesterday. That's what I've learned. I think that's the main thing. And the other thing is, we are not alone. We. It's a self perpetuating situation. You get very depressed. You think nobody else is in that state. It's all you. I'm a failure, it's all ghastly, and it's just me, and everyone else is doing great. Well, they're not. Mm. They're not. You know, especially, I come back to social media, and yes, I'm a hypocrite, I'm on social media, of course I do, I do it to boost the, 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 the radio and, the, and profile and bits and bobs, of course I do, but I'm very careful of what I do. Um, and there's, people are showing you their best lives. They're not showing you in Tesco's buying toilet paper and having a row with somebody over a parking spot. No, they're showing you their best lives. It's marvelous. They're out for dinner and this is great. Look at how fabulous my life is. Well, it's not nonsense, you know. The nonsense. Um, so that you're not alone is a huge theme. A huge theme. And what has been very, very interesting is the listeners. The audience, some of them have just got together quite organically. Why don't we meet? And friendships have, I'm not talking about romance, it's not Tinder for God's sake, but I'm talking about why don't we meet? And, you know, you seem like a proper, we can talk about the families and stuff like that. And that's, that's just been delightful. Just delightful. Wow. Just, you know what it is? Pandora's box. What was the last thing to come out of Pandora's box? The last thing was hope. That was the last thing they pulled out of Pandora. If you don't have hope, there's no point. Life becomes pointless. You've got to have hope. And that's, I think, the biggest lesson I've learned is that you've you got to turn your, your mindset around and just have hope. And enjoy the smallest things in life. The smallest yeah. things in life are 
cost very little and are so good for you. I, I'm not all California, you know, take time to smell the flowers. And it, no, I, because that makes it so cheesy. It's like a Hallmark card, isn't it? But what I do believe, what I do believe is, yes, step away, walk around the garden. You haven't got up a garden, you live in a flat, take a walk. What does that cost? Nothing. Nothing. It's enjoyable. Go out and have a cup of coffee. Just buy. I'm not talking about go out to the finest restaurants. Go out and have a cup of coffee. It's, I do. Well, what have I got to look forward to? It might be as simple as, and this is what I've learned, and it's taken a long time. Taken a long time. Just have a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. That really doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's irrelevant. I'm not talking about the choice of beverage. I'm talking about what it is that gives you a little enjoyment or if you've got a dog taking the dog for a walk which is my, my thing or listen to listen I, i'm not being uh, cheesy or ridiculous listen to a podcast that is interesting listen to an audio book that's my big thing i've always got audio books on the go what do they cost you know peanuts um and it's enjoyable stuff that i think the great myth and it's taken me a long time all right but i had my kind of road to damascus some years back i got rid of everything Everything. Got rid of it all. Stuff doesn't make you happy. Stuff gives you a dopamine hit for a little bit. And then you want more stuff. But it's just stuff. You know, it doesn't matter if it's a Porsche 911 Turbo S or it's a, you know, it's a Rolex or it's a new suit or it's a, it's, it's stuff. That in itself. It's, it could be very nice to have, but it won't internally, it won't cure you if you're not feeling inside whole. Does that make any sense at yeah. all? It's, it's like a, yeah. a it's like an elastoplast, you know? It's, it's an elastoplast over a gaping wound. It's just stuff. And you know the amazing thing I found? You can get on without stuff. Don't need stuff. So I, I'm intrigued there. You, you got rid of your car. You got, you know, how far? No, well, I didn't get rid of my car. I'm not mad. I've got to get from A to B. But, I'm but just thinking instead of, of oh, but for example, rough. all right, I tell you, you know, I used to have really fantastic cars. I thought, what am I doing? I don't go anywhere. This is nonsense. So I got myself a little tiny car for the city, which yeah. I hardly use. They go everywhere by bus and train mostly, but I keep it because I pay for it on the uh, when I bought it, and it's now. It's coming up for seven years old, and it runs beautifully, and I'm happy with it. But it's a little – there's nothing like, hey, look at me. Mike. I, I don't care. I don't care. It's a mode of transport gets me from A to B, and I like it, and I'm happy with it. So what I'm saying is I don't have that. I got rid of all my books because I thought I've read them. Now, a lot of people might be screaming, going, well, you're an absolute bloody philistine. What's the matter with you? I've read them. I want to go and buy them again. I can buy them again got rid of everything, all to uh, charity shops. I got rid of all my suits. When am I going to wear a suit? Turns out, now that I'm a celebrant, duh, I need suits. Well, anyway, timing, everybody, timing. But, um, okay, it's, but it's okay. It's kind of freeing, you know? It's kind of freeing to just have objects that give you pleasure. Objects yeah. that give you pleasure. That's a lovely thing. To have stuff just for stuff. But I did. I got rid of practically everything. You know, really, really, really pared it down. Not as much as I want to. Yes, I have storage, which I have dread tackling. It's like the end scene in the Indiana Jones. I think I the warehouse. 
just like, oh, I shut the doors again and I run away. I just can't face it. <laughs> but it's a process. It's a process. You, can, you, know, you can't do it overnight. I'd like to do it a little right. bit quicker, but I can't do it overnight. But it is freeing. Yeah. But the point is, you don't need big things to make you happy. You really don't. You don't. It's out there. No, and I think that, especially when we think about men and and, and to the extent that their identities are tied to, you know, status and and, material status and so on. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. the more we can detach from that, yeah, the, the... the less likely we are to get it doesn't make it you know when, your, when, your, when your, your show's bump, called right? being yeah your show's called being human well you know having designer clothes it's not really being human it's being hey look at me look at me i'm doing great my life's fantastic look at my watch great look at my car bad guy um no that's not being <laughs> that's not being human uh, because the because uh, eventually you're in you, you're with yourself you're with yourself you have that three o'clock in the morning uh, uh, feeling, and you, you might have everything going on. And then it's like, oh, no, I still have. So, buying's it's just stuff. And the other thing is being kinder to yourself. This is the main thing that all the guests that we've had over the years. It's a big, big message: is be kind to yourself. Stop beating yourself up. All the time, you know, and the past is the past. There's nothing you can do about it. You can't you come on? You can't unpick it. It's gone. It's done. There's no point lying awake at night. Easier said than done. I do it myself. And the little negative voice runs. It's like a film credit when the credits roll at the end of a movie. Every stupid, dumbass thing you've ever done comes rolling. Why did I do? Oh, I did that. Oh God! Why were I with this, these people? Why did I do that thing in the? Stupid business idea that cost a fortune. All these things. There's nothing you can do. You can't undo it. You can't undo it. But be kind of to yourself. Look for the positives. Not being negative to yourself. I don't mean being negative in life. Stop being negative to yourself. It permeates. Permeates through everything you do, and it doesn't help you be. Doesn't help you be happy. It doesn't help other people. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's such, a, you know? that's a, such a strong message. And then, of course, as, as you build that muscle in yourself and you're able to be kind to yourself, you can extend yes. that to others. But yeah. for those of us who have a bit, perhaps a bit more in the tank, how much can we offer that to someone else to get them started in Absolutely. Yeah, beginning a And the other thing, thing we, somebody came in with a, well, I wish I'd have thought of it myself, but uh, they came in and they were talking about mood hoovers. And I thought that was the most terrific phrase. You know, surround yourself with people who are not mood hoovers. How many times, you know, what do you want from somebody? You want to feel better when you leave them when, before the, when you met them. You know, they're enhanced, they're life enhanced, whatever it might be. They make you laugh, they're funny or they're clever, whatever they might be. You know, but people are just, oh, well, I don't really want to do this podcast tonight. You know, and it's like, oh, jeez, are they just so. Uh, my late wife used to call them energy vampires. You know, they're energy vampires is what they are. You know, you're full of energy, but they're not. And they'll just suck you dry. And gee, avoid them like the plague. You don't need them. You don't need them in your life. You, they're, they're, they serve no, pope, no purpose. You know? That is not the same thing as someone who's going through a bad time in depression and you want to help them. I'm not talking about that. But 
we let too many virtual strangers in. I don't know whether you agree or not. We let too many virtual strangers who are the naysayers. Well, that'll never work. And, we'll, and, and, and they're putting their own fears into you. And you've got to just shut up. I'm not interested. I'm not having it. Don't have to say yeah, it rudely. Yeah. You just don't have to deal with them anymore. Just makes, it just makes your life much better. Makes your yeah, better I, I've, actually, I've also found that there are certain individuals in my life who it's just practically, let's say, not possible for me to completely detached from and mm -hmm. and there i just got very 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 good at boundary and just as soon as i feel someone oh. go into a negative it's like don't give them any any fuel for that because what i find is with those vampires <laughs> is they need fuel and as soon as you start to validate their <laughs> so yeah they're off <laughs> right and they're going to pull you down with them of so course you, they do because they feed off it you, you yeah. know you've used the keyword boundaries and it used to be, oh, you know, establishing boundaries. And people go, oh, shut up. What are you talking about? No, boundaries are absolutely crucial. The best word in the English language, no. Just learn to say no. You don't want to go to some event. Don't have to think up some bullshit excuse. Just say no. I don't want to go. Why aren't you, oh, why aren't you coming to my party? I don't want to. Very nice. You're a very nice person. I just don't want to come. You know, it's not a crime to say that. But we all go, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm washing my hair that day and my, my aunt's flying in from Toronto. I mean, who the hell knows? You just make up all these ridiculous things. Just say no. They want to go. They want to do it. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for the invitation. It's taken me years. I'm still not entirely comfortable with it. I wish I was. I wish I was stronger in that department. But I do say no to more stuff than I say yes to. I just don't want to do it. Why, yeah. why should you? Why should you do it? Yeah. Where, where is it? Where is it written that it's mandatory to accept everything that comes along? And I, I actually think it's 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 a part of generating a better self-image and in, increasing the quality of our self-talk talk because yes. it's all because the extent to which we can keep people out is the extent to which we can have space to work on yes. what's going on inside. Totally, so it, totally, it's very important. And it's like, you, you look at it and you think, do I really want to spend time with this person? Not particularly. Do I want to go to this event? No. Do I want to do business? I mean, you know, it has all these practical applications. That's the social side of it. You know, we've only got limited time. There's only so many hours in the week. Um, do you want to be doing this? No. And if you'd rather just sit home, watch TV, sit home, watch TV. Why not? It's your life. You can do what you want. You know, you're breaking the law by doing it. It's just, just learning to say no is fantastically empowering. I, yeah. I try and train myself daily. <laughs> but then when you've got a mini schnauzer, you can't say no to her ever. You know, you know, just whatever she, whatever she. A mini schnauzer. I know. Well, what can is you Is she what right there? No, she's no. She's, she's having a snooze. Well, she's coming up for 15. Be 15 uh, all being well. And um, it's still the center of the universe uh, in her mind and in mine, which is worrying. But they, <laughs> it's true. No. But think about that. But if you think about it, I mean, you know, I'm kind of making this up as you use the wonderful phrase on the fly. But the dogs, pets, cats as well, if you like. I'm not going to get into the dog-cat debate. It, it, they love you unconditionally. They just love you. Unconditional. That's it. Yeah. And that's, I guess, what we try to replicate 
in our lives. It's virtually, or it's very hard, if not impossible, very, very hard. But dogs show what unconditional love is like. Fabulous. It's a huge responsibility because they can't do anything for themselves. But it's wonderful. Life affirming adds to your life a lot in all sorts of ways. Be more like your dog. Is that what we say? If I, if I come back, I'll come back. You know, I don't, I don't believe in it, but if I were to, I'll come back with a mini schnauzer. It'd be great. Fine, you know. Yeah, nice I, 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 I can't. Nice I, I'm desperate now to, to visualize what a mini schnauzer <laughs> looks like. Mini schnauzer. <laughs> well, they have big moustaches and, and beards and big, big ears, and they just constantly look pissed off. They like, just wonderful. They just constantly look annoyed. <laughs> she, she always looks like she's annoyed. she's not annoyed until she's got that she's got that face. <laughs> I worked with I worked with somebody like that, and every single meeting we'd say, "What was going on for you in that meeting?" And every time, nothing. That's just nothing. It's just my face. <laughs> just how I look. People say, well, you, you look?" You, and people say that's me. So you look you look really quite. No, what were you thinking? I said. Well, I'd probably think about dinner, to be honest. I wasn't thinking any great thoughts or some great commercial venture or some great uh, offence. I'd probably think about, oh, I've got to get the tube home now. I wonder if it's going to be crowded. I mean, <laughs> we're kind of simple folk, but why? <laughs> why not? Why not? Why not? So those are the main things I've kind of learned. That's been my journey. The journey, those be the, yeah. the, the journey. The uh, but it's uh, and it's an enjoyable journey. You know what do they say? It's not the destination; it's the journey. And I think that's true. Because I have no idea what the destination is. One can plan, um, which is nice and fun, but the journey itself is interesting, you know, exciting. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that was going to be my sort of the, the final question here. Is that no. what? Where do you think it's? You know, we've got the. You've got the men's radio station. You've got the women's radio station. You've also got a, a podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh yes. And so walk uh, the talk. yeah, walk the talk. And yeah, what what's what's your what's your future plans? Where do you where do you see yourself in five years? Uh, don't say ten years. <laughs> I can't think of five days. Uh, do you know what? I have no idea. These things just bounce. They're, they're going to bounce whichever way they're going to bounce. You can try and control it, but it's just going to, the cards are going to fall how they could. You know, the, the, the thing is that my guiding thing for life, for me, what philosophy I preach is just for me. It's not, it's not the cards you're dealt. It's how you play the hand you've been given. You know, it mm. might be a really bad hand. It might be a good hand, but it's up to you how you play it and how you feel about it. Uh, Obviously, I take my celebrant work. I'm, I'm very excited. New thing for me, and I'm very, very excited indeed for a whole load of reasons. Um, I'd love to grow the radio stations, of course, because I think the work that it can do and the, and the, the good, I hope, that it can do is, is, is worthwhile. You know, we're not sitting there, you know, playing Kanye West or something. It's speech radio. And I hope the more people can know about it, I think the better. The podcast will be the podcast. They're fun to do, and I, I, I enjoy it. Um, out of all of it, if I became, uh, you know, I love writing. I, I, you know, I love writing my books, and that gives me huge. Well, that's blooming hard work because you're never satisfied, but it's interesting. So, you know, I keep myself busy because otherwise I get bored. 
<laughs> You've got to keep the, I don't know. The, the mini schnauzer in biscuits. Well, ah, uh, well, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, walk towards a certain cupboard. Oh, suddenly we're awake. Boom, the ears are up. Yeah, and we look, we look, and just, just communicating guilt on a level you've never seen before. No, I'm going to get a bottle of milk from the fridge. This is not snack time. Ooh, and then you say, well, maybe a little snack. This <laughs> is just so pathetic and absolutely pathetic. I have a will of marshmallow when it comes to uh, a little bit stronger when it comes to people. <laughs> what, what, what's the mini schnauzer's name? Ebony. 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 There we go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> wow, Ebony. But female. Yeah. 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 Got me wrapped around her little finger. Pathetic. What can I tell you? That's, that's, what dogs are, that's what dogs are like. You know, they rule your, they rule your world, which is nice. It's nice. Because if everything else is going horrible, and there are days when everything is uh, falling around like a, you know, still going madly wrong, um, they're a constant, which is nice. They're a constant. They're a constant joy and constant pain in the backside when they don't behave. But otherwise, at least they're a constant. You know, they're consistent. Yeah. yeah they're they're consistent. consistent. Unlike people. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, I'm just imagining a little ball of love that is Ebony. She is. She she is. But she's like you know she's <laughs> she's such her own person. <laughs> if you're a dog lover, you get it. Otherwise, the last few minutes, people are going, "What the hell's the matter with this man? Why did you get him on the show?" The dog lovers well, will go, "Yeah, yeah, we get it. Yeah, we're we're the same." We're the same. And well, I, you know, I had, a, I had a kid when I was younger, and uh, sorry, I had a kid when I was younger. I had a dog when I was a kid. And, well, that was Freudian. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I uh, de- de- definitely uh, a mental health aid. You know, definitely, completely. Support, yeah, they really know? are. That's what I mean. It's, mm. it's, you know, sitting there uh, just next to your dog, and it's been proved. I mean, you know, uh, Deepak Chopra said that the brain is the biggest pharmacy you will ever require. And he's not wrong. It produces stuff that can make you feel great and stuff that makes you feel terrible. And just being with a pet or whatever, doing those small things, releases the, the serotonin, releases the endorphins, and yeah. It helps. I read it some, really something recently that said uh, hugging a dog, that the effects of hugging a dog uh, is it still persist in your system for a, up to a month. After a single interaction, how you? Well, that's fleas for you. No, I'm just <laughs> stupid. No, I wouldn't know about a month, but certainly it, it does happen. It does happen. You know, I know nothing about gardening. Nothing. I am useless. But I go out sometimes. I'm really wound up with a armed with a, I'm quite dangerous. Armed with a pair of secateurs. I don't know what the hell I'm doing, and I do a bit of pruning. I don't know what. I have not a clue whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. I feel so much better. I feel so much better. Isn't that weird? I feel so much better. I've connected with nature in my pathetically low way, with no skill whatsoever, and I've enjoyed it. I feel better. Come back feeling more more alive. You know, yeah. deadhead deadheading flowers. You know, it's a simple thing. Just deadheading them. You get a sense of purpose. It has a beginning, middle, and an end, and it has a purpose. 
Simple. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I think I think pets and dogs they're they're they're, they're, they're a pure expression of nature. Aren't they? I that, think that's what we're doing. Absolutely right. There's no side to it. There's no subtext. There's no subtext to it. Mm. That's what's yeah. so good about it. You don't have to interpret anything. It's just there for you to see. That's what it's there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for us. Uh, this oh, has I been fun. It's been an education. It's been inspiring. It's been great work. You're very kind. Uh, thank you again for inviting me. I, it's, it's been a great privilege and a privilege and a pleasure. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed it. I appreciate you, Russ. Oh, bless. Thank you. You're thank doing great you. work. Well, we try. We try. We give it a go. Giving it a go. Giving it a and go. And then, yeah. So we should we should we should shout out the link. So to find uh, men's radio station, it's men's radio station. It, it's station dot com. On Twitter, for example, it's men's radio stn. Same for women. Women's it was the same thing. Yeah. And if you want to look up my uh, podcast, it's called Walk the Talk. The Hero's Journey, and that's available on absolutely everything. Apple, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects uh, are there. And you can find me as a celebrant at RussCaneCelebrant.com. It's RussCaneCelebrant.com. You'll see all the information there. And the books? The books are, uh, the first one I wrote with my late wife is called Shout at the Moon. And the second one, uh, for obvious reasons I wrote on my own, uh, which is fiction, it's called The Gatekeeper, and you can find them both on Amazon worldwide. The Gatekeeper. A very okay. creepy book. Okay. Right. Well, thank you very much once again, and we'll also my put pleasure into the description for the show. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. The Being Human podcast was brought to you by first human for more on first humans human focused coaching and leadership programs head to firsthuman.com <laughs>